You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. life, the more struggles you have, and the more struggles you have, the more fervently you can pray for others in their struggles because you can empathize with them. Even if you're not going through the exact same thing, you still know the challenges of life. And you can pray with more fervency because you can pray with more empathy. It bothers me sometimes the half-heartedness of our prayers. And I think it bothers the heart of God. So however you do it, Fervency is absolutely important. In today's message, Pastor Danny reminds us that prayer isn't something to be taken lightly. Prayer can be to tell God how thankful you are for Him, but it can also be to bring your petitions before the Creator of the universe. As we all age and progress through life and different circumstances, we all grow in our ability to empathize. When we go through hardships and see how others go through struggles, we can empathize with them. We can see their pain, and we can pray with zeal for what God can do. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans chapter 15, as he continues his message, assisting people in their struggles through prayer. pray to them? What can we pray to God for, for God to do for them? And the servant says, well, you know, they have no children. They would really like to have a child. And Elisha goes back and says, this time next year when I come through, you're going to be pregnant. Oh, don't deceive me. Don't say that. It's going to happen. And it happened. And then her son gets sick. And dies. And Elisha prays. And he won't give up. And God listened to him. Where did he learn that from? He learned it from his master. He learned it from Elijah. He learned how to pray. In Luke chapter 22. <laughs> the record of Jesus to Peter. Oh, I just love Peter. I I just love Peter. The dude's got a size 13 triple E foot, and he's always getting it in his mouth. And he's, you know, he's so impetuous. He's so impulsive. He made so many mistakes, and yet he's one of God's choice disciples. He would become a tremendous leader, still imperfect, but a tremendous leader. And let me tell you, in the struggles of life, in the struggles of life, and we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the darkness and the rulers of the darkness. Let me tell you what Satan wants. He wants men like Peter. And he wants to take them down. And there in Luke chapter 22, the record goes like this. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. 
He wants at you. He wants to take you down. But I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. That prayer made a difference. It made a difference. It did not keep Peter from failing. But it kept him from falling beyond recovery. Prayed for you. And when you've turned back, when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. If you know the story, Peter, Peter denied even being a Christian, denied even knowing Christ. I mean, you talk about a failure. I mean, he began to curse to try to prove that he wasn't a follower of Jesus. You know, he's cursing. <laughs> and Jesus had told him, and before the cock crows, three times you'll deny, three times you'll deny me before the cock crowed. The cock crowed, and all of a sudden, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Why such conviction? Because Jesus prayed for him. Jesus prayed for him. And such conviction, the Bible tells us, Peter went out and wept bitterly, tears of repentance. That prayer made a difference. Prayer makes a difference in people's struggles, in people's life challenges. makes a difference. Let me go back to the prophet Elijah for a minute. Oh, what, a, what a fascinating story. James in the New Testament tells us about Elijah. And here's what he says in chapter 5, verse 17. Elijah was a human being even as we are. Another translation says that Elijah was a man just like us. <laughs> he didn't have some special Holy Spirit juice. You know, he, he was a man just like you, just like me, human being. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. But he was a man, just like us. The verse before that, you know what it says? Here's the verse before that. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In other translations, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person is powerful. Powerful. You, what a privilege. <laughs> what a privilege. What an amazing privilege. Now, let me take you back to the text for just a moment in Romans chapter 15, because there are a couple of things I just want to note. They are important. Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle to praying to God for me. What does he mean by our Lord Jesus Christ? I have little doubt, and you can write down Luke chapter 5, verse 16. The verse before that says that Jesus' ministry was such that people were so demanding of his time. Crowds of people following him. Crowds of people wanting to get at him. But from verse 15, lots of people demanding his time. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed. 
That was the key to his life. That was the key to his ministry. He knew how to pray. By our Lord Jesus Christ. He's our ultimate example. You say, well, he's God. He's a human being. He's God come in the flesh. He shows us the way. Just like these other examples in the scripture, but he's the ultimate example. Prayer was the key to his life and his ministry. By our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. You go back to Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, and here's what God tells us here. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what we ought to pray for. You ever come to those times you just don't know how to pray? But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Sometimes the groan, the Spirit takes that, and God interprets the groan. You don't know how to verbalize it. You're in distress because of some struggle, somebody in your life. It's your child. It's your mom. It's your dad. It's your brother. It's your sister. It's somebody. And all you can get out is a groan. The Spirit takes that groan and interprets it to the throne of God. The Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That can apply to those who have a supernatural gift of prayer called a prayer tongue, but it's not just for the people who have a gift of tongues. It's for any of us. For any of us. It is the most powerful weapon in the arsenal of weapons that God lists in Ephesians chapter 6. There's the sword of the spirit, you know. But the last one mentioned, the last one mentioned, and some people leave this one out, I don't understand. And pray and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, always pray and keep on praying for all the saints. If, I don't, if I'm not on your prayer list, would you put me on your prayer list? I need it. I want you to know biblically how to become an agent in the hands of God to have powerful and effective prayer. Because every, listen, every single one of us here, every single one of us have the privilege of being an instrument in the hands of God to be a powerful prayer agent. Prayer makes a difference. Prayer makes a difference. I don't understand it. It's a great mystery. But the ultimate will of God prophesied in the scriptures will be fulfilled. There's no question. But there are variables in individuals' lives. Lives can be changed. Courses in life can be altered through prayer. What What an amazing privilege. What a tremendous mystery. But here are the things that are essentials. You got to learn self-control. I mean, come on. Let's just start with the real practical one. Years ago, I asked one of the uh, Orthodox Jews in Israel there by the Western Wall as I watched them rocking, you know, and doing all this movement. And I was able to get one aside. And I said, I was wondering, you know, why do you guys, you know, rock like that? And he looked at me with the deer in the headlights kind of look and said, to stay alert. Stay alert. So do whatever you need to do to stay alert. Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did they do? Fell asleep. 
Could you not pray with me for one hour that you will not fall into temptation? What'd they do? They fell asleep. The spirit is willing. The body is weak. Do whatever you got to do to stay awake. You close your eyes in prayer. You start to fall asleep. Open your eyes. If you're driving, don't close your eyes and pray. Keep your eyes open. Self-control. Fervency. Oh, this is one. We, I, I, I wish we I wish we could harness fervency somehow. I don't know how to tell you to be fervent, but a lack of fervency makes a difference. And the more fervency, the greater effect. The effectual fervent prayer. I love that translation from James 5. In the Old Testament, a record there in 2 Kings chapter 13, King Jehoash, when he was king, uh, he was a wicked king, and yet God still, by his grace, wanted to give his people victory. So he goes, uh, the prophet goes to Jehoash and says, God sent me, and God wants to give Israel victory over the Arameans. And he has some arrows. He says, take an arrow and hit the ground, you know, and this is the arrow of the Lord's victory. And the prophet took it, and he hit the ground. And then the prophet rebuked him. Why? He said, you should have struck the ground three or four times. And what it tells us is when he struck the ground with the arrow, there was no real fervency. It was just kind of half-hearted, you know. And the prophet then says, if you had struck it three or four times, you would have completely defeated the enemy. But as it is, you will not have complete Victory. I wrote in my notes as I went through that scripture in preparation for this message, I wrote in my notes and I underlined it for me in red. Lack of fervency equal limited victory. Lack of fervency, limited victory. So how in the world do I muster up fervency? I can't tell you how to do that, but here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. And we have the potential as a church, I think, more than ever before to have fervent prayer. And one of the reasons is we, for the most part, we're old. In human years, we're old. And here's what I've discovered. The longer you go in life, the more struggles you have. And the more struggles you have, the more fervently you can pray for others in their struggles because you can empathize with them. Even if you're not going through the exact same thing, you still know the challenges of life. And you can pray with more fervency because you can pray with more empathy. It bothers me sometimes the half-heartedness of our prayers. And I think it bothers the heart of God. So however you do it, fervency is absolutely important. Fervency. And then in Luke 18, Jesus told a parable to illustrate and to show that we should always pray and not give up. I gave up on my brother years ago. I, I, I'm so sorry for that, but I gave up because I've been praying for him for years and years and years and years and there was no change. And today I look back and I see so many prayers I prayed years ago that God began to answer, but it took God's time, not my time. I'm praying for two family members now. I've been praying for them for almost three years, almost three years. No change, no change, no change. And I pray for them still. I pray for them every day. And I pray the same prayer every day. And I will not, I will not give up. God help me not to give up.
Don't you give up. Don't you give up. Standardized math tests, Japanese children consistently score higher than their American counterparts. While some assume that a natural proclivity toward mathematics is the primary difference, researchers have discovered that it may have more to do with effort than ability. In one study involving first graders, students were given a difficult puzzle to solve. The researchers weren't interested in whether or not the children could solve the puzzle. They simply wanted to see how long they would try before giving up. The American children lasted on average 9.47 minutes. The Japanese children lasted 13.93 minutes. In other words, Japanese children tried about, 90, about 40% longer. Researchers concluded that the difference in math scores might have less to do with intelligence and more to do with the persistence quotient. Don't give up. I read the story of James chapter 5 where Elijah the prophet prayed for rain or prayed that it would not rain and it did not rain. That's just a uh, summary statement there in James chapter 5. But if you read the story, you get more very important detail. When God moves Elijah after three and a half years to pray for rain, it says he goes and he's up on a mountain and he has his servant with him. He goes off to pray and it says he puts his head between his knees. He gets in a very humble position before God and he prays for rain. And he turns after his prayer. We're not told how long he prayed, but he turns and he says to his servant, go and look. The servant goes to the edge and looks out over the horizon and he sees nothing. He comes back and he says, blue sky, nothing. Elijah puts his head between his legs and bends down again and prays. And we don't know how long he prayed, but he prays. And then he says to his servant, go and look. And he goes back a second time and he looks and he comes back, nothing. And he puts his head between his knees and he kneels the third time. And a third time his servant goes, nothing. A fourth time, nothing. A fifth time, nothing. A sixth time, nothing. Do you get the impression Elijah is not going to give up? And the seventh time, the number for God, the seventh time, that's not a magical formula, but the seventh time, the seventh time. But the servant comes back and says, well, I see, a, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. There's a little cloud out there. Elijah says, go tell Ahab, better hitch up your chariot. Rain's coming. And it did. And it poured. And it poured. And it poured. Don't give up. Purity of life. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. King David, with his affair with Bathsheba and all the things that went after that, and however long it went, David writes his psalm after he repented, but he comments during that period in his life when he was living in sin, there was habitual sin in his life. Prayer. There was no, nothing was getting through. The first king of Israel, King Saul, would not listen to God, would not repent of the sin in his heart. And it tells us that the Lord would not respond to him. Boy, there's so many issues here. We don't have time, but uh, if there are problems in your marriage, husband, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, treat your wives with respect so that nothing will hinder your prayers. 
You're not treating your wife the way God wants you to. You're going to affect your prayer life. Purity in life. Getting your heart right with God will make a tremendous difference. You want to be able to pray and God hear your prayer for your children and for your family. Purify your heart. Purify your life. And then the particulars. In developing a prayer life, look, go beyond, oh, God bless the missionaries all around the world. Your heart may be pure in that, and you may be sincere, but <laughs> what does that mean? Paul's prayer here, he tells them exactly what he wants. Join me in my struggle. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers. Pray that the contribution I take, that the offering I have, they'll be received with open hearts. And so that I may come to you with joy and tell you, hey, it went well. I got there saved. I didn't get beat up. And the offering, they received it. And, oh, it was a great, great time. Thank you for your prayers. Paul knows that the prayer would make a difference. Tell God what you want. I, and I, I'm, look, I, I'm not trying to, I'm just telling you, I have six of these. What is it? It's my prayer journal. One of the best things I ever did. My first one recorded, and I went back and, and, and looked at these yesterday, is um, 3-8-1991. I had to do the math. I was 34 years old. 34 years old. I'm 64 now. And I began journaling. I'm the last person in the world to do this. I'm, it's just not, just not part of my DNA. But I was encouraged by Peter Lord, Pastor Peter Lord, back in the day, to journal. And I began doing it. And it was a learning process. But I'd, I'd every morning write a letter to God, simple letter. I would begin writing down some of my prayer requests. And I began to pray specifically. And it's great because I can look back and I can see the things that God has answered. And I, it, when I started, I, I hand wrote them. And now I, uh, the, the last ones, the last few years, I use a computer. I recommend highly starting a prayer journal and then be, learn how to pray specifically. Pray for your children and write it down. Here's what I'm asking for my son. Would you and you, what are you asking God to do? What do you want him to do? What does your son need? What does your child need? Pray specifically. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the place to start. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, first of all, you need to be saved because you're on your way to damnation and you don't have to go. That's why Jesus died. And then once you repent, means to turn, and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. Before that, there's no access. The first prayer God's going to hear you pray is, I repent and I will receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And after that, you have an open access to the God of the universe. And there's one more that's an essential. been a Christian for a long time, but I feel like so many times, I, I'm just telling you, I feel like my faith is so small. But with that said, here's what Jesus said. If you have faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be cast, be gone, be cast into the sea. It'll be cast into the sea. God will move mountains if you just have mustard seed faith. 
That's encouraging, isn't it? I mean, you want big faith, but God, even if you just mustard seed faith. Thanks for joining us today to study the Book of Romans on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings by visiting ccfstpete.church. Once you're there, just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're ever in the St. Petersburg area, feel free to join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. We're also live streaming our services for those who are unable to meet in person. So please don't let distance stop you from worshiping with us. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today, but we hope that today's teaching from the Book of Romans has encouraged you. Be sure to join Pastor Danny Hodges next time, right here on The Living Word.